Well, it's finally happened. You've moved out. You're on your own. Congratulations. But everyone still needs a little help sometimes. Mom, have you seen my wallet? It's in your back pocket. Nah, I checked there. Your other back pocket, dear. Ah. Thanks, Mom. Introducing the Mom Personal Assistant, the only smart speaker device with all the wisdom, caring, and sage advice of a mother. Mom, please call Brad. Honey, I'm just not sure he's right for you. Just call him. Okay, calling Ryan. No, Mom, I said call Brad. Trust me. The Mom PA always has your best interests in mind. Wish me luck, Mom. Big interview today. Did you eat breakfast? Uh... Is that what you're wearing? Wait, what? <laughs> Did you even shower? She's there to provide a helping hand whenever you need it. Mom, set a timer for 40 minutes. Mom? The mom personal assistant won't function until you say the magic word. Oh, right. Mom, please set a timer for 40 minutes. Sure thing, hon, but it's only 30 minutes for that dish. The mom PA is always correct and basically knows everything. Mom, what setting should I use for this laundry? Mom, do you think I should color my hair? Hey, mom, can you please order mac and cheese? You still have two boxes. What? No, we're out. Did you look? Yeah, I just looked. It's gone. Do you want me to look? Uh, no, no, it's okay. I'll go look again. Try looking with your eyes this time. Based on God's perfect design, the mom personal assistant is thoughtful, kind, encouraging, and supportive. You are beautiful. It's okay. You're gonna get through this. I am so proud of you. You can change the world. But right now, hon, you really need to change your socks because they smell like a dumpster. <sighs> mom. The mom personal assistant. Always helpful, always reliable, and always there for you. Today is Mother's Day, and we want to acknowledge all the women we're blessed to know. We rejoice over you, for your strength, your wisdom, your strong love, and your beautiful faith. Whether today is a celebration for you, or a day of quiet reflection and healing. We're thinking of all of you. If you gave birth this year to your first child, our joy overflows and we celebrate with you. If you adopted a child this year or became a foster parent, we rejoice with you and we want to honor you in your commitment to changing the lives of children. If you continue to struggle with infertility, we're hoping with you and holding your hand in prayer. If you are exhausted and feeling underappreciated for all you do for a house full of kids, we applaud you, we love you, and we appreciate you more than you can ever imagine. And if you lost a child this year to death or miscarriage, we weep and mourn with you. And if your child is lost to addiction or to the world, we hurt with you, and we join you in putting our hope in the one who brings prodigals home. If you live with painful memories of your mom, we pray that you will find in a spiritual mother all that you never had from a birth mom. And if you're one of those amazing spiritual moms, we thank you for stepping up and being there when others couldn't. If you're experiencing an empty nest for the first time this year, we walk with you in this new season and are excited about the next chapter God has planned for you. If you're single, we celebrate your strength, beauty, and individuality and join with you in praying for the desires of your heart. If you're a single mom and wonder if you have the physical energy and financial resources to raise and provide for your child or children, we want to help you, and we will. And if you're pregnant for the first time, we prayerfully anticipate with you the joyful birth of a healthy child. And to all the special women on this Mother's Day, rest and delight in knowing that we are thankful for you and we celebrate each and every one of you. I want to welcome you to church this morning. We do want to say thanks to all our mothers all that they've done, keeping our homes in order, taking care of us, loving us. This morning we want to give Christ all the glory. Let's sing this together. In Christ. 
Christ alone My hope is found He is my light, my strength, my song This cornerstone, this solid ground Firm through the fiercest drought and storm What heights of love, what depths of peace When fears are still, when striving cease My comforter, my all in all Here in the love of Christ I stand of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones He came to save, till on that cross at Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Light of the world by darkness slain Then bursting forth in glorious day Up from the grave he rose again And as he stands in victory Says curse has lost its grip on me study of 2 Corinthians now, and uh, basically we're treating it just as one continuing series. We Last week we had a, an awesome time honoring our seniors, and Jared did a great job of challenging them as they head off to college. 
Uh, in 2 Corinthians, Paul begins in this introduction that we're looking at today, which is in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 11. And it's all about gospel comfort. It's about the comfort that God gives to his people. Uh, it was very appropriate that I was writing this message and really praying about what the afflictions our people are going through, that uh, I talked to a, a dear friend of mine and uh, heard some of the afflictions to use the the language of Paul, affliction that they were going through. Um, these friends had neighbors that they live next to that are uh, senior adults, and they've become really close. They spent a lot of time on the back porch together and just really became friends. And um, they uh, were caring for their neighbor, and the neighbor began to have some medical issues and uh, needed to be taken, finally got to the point where they needed to be taken. He needed to be taken to the hospital. And so... Uh, my friends took them to the hospital, took him to the hospital, and he ended up having to have some emergency surgery. When he came home, uh, they continued to care for him and love on his wife and take care of them uh, with all their very, very practical needs and just really poured into them. And But sadly, over time, they noticed uh, that he wasn't recovering from the surgery very well. And in all this coronavirus and all that's going on, they really didn't want to have to take him back to the hospital. But ultimately, they had to because, and they were caring for them because his family all lived out of town. Um, and so they ended up taking him back to the hospital. And tragically, two days later, he died. And it was because he had contracted uh, coronavirus. And he was a senior adult and, and wasn't doing well. And so. Uh, it's a, been a very difficult time for my friends as they loved him and cared for him and they have been neighbors and it was they were like family. And in the midst of grieving uh, the loss of their loved one, their friend, uh, they had to then go into uh, some new tar chartered territories, uncharted territories for them. They had to uh, pre uh, prepare a memorial service and they did this on their back patio where they had spent many years uh, sitting together and bonding as friends and uh, the wife was there and they uh, zoomed or, or teleconferenced in family members who couldn't be there so that my friends were bearing the stress of grieving and of trying to provide a memorial service for their uh, friend and, and the family members uh, all the while uh, knowing in the back of their mind any moment wondering if they're going to contract and start showing the uh, symptoms of coronavirus in their own body. Thankfully, they have it, and they're on day uh, 13. Uh, but this is the affliction that they have gone through as they've cared for others and, and loved, the, loved their neighbors very well. Um, and Paul calls this affliction, and such afflictions, such trials create a real stress in our lives. And that's really what Paul deals with today. And he talks about his own affliction. If we just kind of uh, look at what he says down in verse 8, he says that he himself was utterly burdened, utterly burdened beyond his own strength, that he even despaired of life itself. Uh, the Greek word there for burden uh, is this word that is was referred to the ballast that were in ships that were a ballast was a weight that they would place in the hull or the belly of a ship that would stabilize the ship and and that ballast would be a real heavy weight and it was the downward pressure that the weight would cause on the ship that's what that word burden means and so it refers to the downward to the pressure that one feels from the outward circumstances that they're facing my family loves to go to the lake we have a, a boat that intentionally has what what are called ballast bags in certain places of the hull of the boat and with the flick of a switch we pump thousands of pounds of water into those bags and the weight of the water just presses the boat down deeper into the water to create a wave to surf behind but that's that sense of the word here Paul is saying that the affliction that he has been through has created such a pressure a burden a stress on his life that he he was worried about whether he was going to even survive life itself with that much stress on the engine of the boat I have to watch the rpms or we can really destroy the engine if if things aren't done right 
And so Paul has gone through something in his life that put him under enormous stress and affliction. And he's going to share with us how God has comforted him in the midst of this. And I think it's very appropriate because I know there's lots of us going through different various kinds of affliction. In fact, I spoke to another friend this week. Uh, in fact, I'm about to see him right after this message. That He's lost his job um, and it's creating stress. It's creating uh, the weight and the pressure is on. What, what about my mortgage? What about my uh, spouse's concerns about where we're going to go in the future? Uh, and there's just a... a a, a pressure and a stress and an affliction that comes from such afflictions. And in this coronavirus, we all have had plenty of opportunities to, to relate to this need for the comfort of God. And today, Paul's words will, will challenge, us, challenge us. What do we do when we have that weight on us? What do we do when we feel the internal pressure and stress that, afflict, that afflictions are bringing upon us. Where do we turn? And I, my prayer is that through this message, God encourages us and God equips us to turn to him. And so let me ask the Lord to help us this morning. Lord, I pray that you will equip us to turn to you, the God of all comfort in our times of affliction. Lord, do a work in our hearts. Everybody who's listening to this message now, Lord, I know that you, your spirit is alive and well and active, and I pray that you will take these words and apply them to our heart, that we might turn to you for comfort. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we begin 2 Corinthians, let me just briefly mention that we're looking at 1 through 11, which is the introduction to the letter. And this is called 2 Corinthians, but it's actually Paul's third letter. And it's a little confusing and Different scholars have different opinions on what happened, but from the letter itself, we can tell that there was a, another letter that was written that we don't have a copy of. So we have 1 Corinthians, there seemed to have been some back and forth, and there were some pretty hard words from Paul, and then there was a second letter, which is referred to, but now he writes this third letter, letter which is more of a comforting letter, that comes after some Corinthians have gone through some repentance. And so 2 Corinthians in this intro is, has a lot to do with suffering. It, a lot of it is about comfort, but it implies that there's a lot of affliction and suffering going on. And these are Paul's words of comfort to the church in the midst of their affliction. Let's begin in verse 1, and I'll read through verse 3. He says in verse 1, Paul, these are common introductory words, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, so Paul and Timothy are writing, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Verse 2, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then he goes into this benediction, which is a blessing God for the things of God that they've experienced. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. So Paul opens his letter with the greeting and then he goes into this blessing God for what he's experienced from God. Paul has been through a near-death experience. Paul has had God come to him in a very personal way and minister to Paul. And as a result of this incredible experience of experiencing the God of all comfort, he praises God at the beginning of this letter, Blessed be the Father of mercies, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all kinds of various types of comforts. I have experienced the comfort of God. And so we kind of wonder, what is Paul talking about in this? What did he go through? What was his experience of affliction? If we skip down to verse 8, we see it was something that went on in Asia. Look at verse 8 and 9. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, and I want to make sure you know about what happened to me in Asia. He says, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, like someone in 
court on trial and it's a death penalty case and they're found guilty. He felt like he had been declared guilty and you are sentenced to death. So he was in some serious pain and affliction during this time. Now what is he talking about? He's probably talking about what we can read about back in Acts, in Acts chapter 19 and 20, uh, is recorded some of the, the events and the travels of Paul. And when we read those, those verses, we see that when Paul went to Ephesus, God was working powerfully. God was doing an incredible work through Paul. Uh, he had gone into town and people were getting healed. People were, demons were being cast out. I mean, it says things like that people just touched the hem of his garment that they would be healed or demons would, would run from them. And so God was using, God just had his hand on Paul. And, and as is often the case, when God is using someone powerfully, when God is working, the enemy doesn't like it and affliction typically comes. And so Paul certainly entered into some affliction during these times in Ephesus. The, the idol makers, because people were all turning away from idols and turning to God, the idol makers, the silversmiths, got upset. And they stirred up the crowds and basically started a riot. And there was this mob mentality that was going on so much that, he was, that Paul was, was uh, in danger. His life was in danger. And his friends, the disciples of, of his, his, he was teaching people, that people who were listening and following him said, Paul, you can't go. This mob is going to rip you apart. We read a little bit about it in verse 29 of Acts 19. It says, The whole city was filled with confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. Now, it's hard for us to really grasp because we kind of have a civilized society that this is not something we can relate to, but we need to understand his life was in serious danger. This mob was willing to rip him apart from limb to limb or to have him killed. And it was so serious, the disciples said, no, Paul, you can't go in there. I'm sure Paul was like, let me preach the gospel. And they're saying no. And he got to the point where he himself was, was fearful that he would even survive this incident. So Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of what happened. Why, why is Paul being so careful to say, I want you to know what happened to me? The, this is like a testimony. This is, this is like Paul saying, I want you to know what I've, what I've been through because I want you to know that in this crazy, dangerous, in this affliction, I experienced God. God met me. He's not this far off, removed God that we talk about. He's not like the gods of the Greeks that were, that were uninvolved in their lives. He's saying, I want you to know what happened because this is what's leading me to say, blessed be the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. He met me in my time of affliction and he comforted me. And so he wants to make sure they know that he has had a very real encounter and experience with the comfort of God. This is important to us because... We need to understand that affliction is not, shouldn't be thought of as abnormal for the people of God. In fact, the scriptures present the people of God as foreigners sojourning in a foreign land and, and living in a culture that is uh, at odds with the people of God, that are hostile, a culture that is hostile to the people of God. This should be expected especially to the extent that we stand for the gospel and we're pressing forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we stand for the truth of God and his word and, and what he teaches, we're going to be different as we stand for, not politically, but biblically, as we stand for life beginning in the womb. There's going to be people who hate us as we stand for biblical view of marriage, as we stand for these things that are clearly taught in word. We want to do it lovingly. But when we stand on the truth of God's word and the currents are flowing the opposite direction, there's going to be affliction. We live in a culture that is hostile toward God's people. And so we should expect affliction. Therefore, it's great to hear that our God is not some far-removed God, but that he meets us in our affliction and he brings us comfort. And Paul wants us to turn to Jesus, turn to the Lord 
nothing else. Don't turn to anything else, but turn to Jesus for comfort during our afflictions. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians 2.16, Paul says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts. May the God who sent Jesus Christ to save you and to give you eternal comfort, may also today in this life, in your affliction, give you very real comfort in your time of need. So the first point I want us to, to think about is, this is, a, this is God telling us today, seek God's comfort. What do you, what do, you do when when affliction comes? What do you do when the storms come and it starts to get, you start to feel the weight of the pressure and the stress of, of the affliction that you're going through? God is telling us, seek him. Seek the comfort of God. Don't seek anything else. Many of us, all of us have what are called idols or are functional gods in our lives that are not the one true God. And where do you go when you feel afraid? Where do you go when you feel the stress of life? Where do you go when you lose your job or you, in this, in this market, we see our, 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 uh, our retirement account is half or down 30%. Where do you turn? Where do you go when you need comfort? Maybe you're like me and that my tendency is to run away from the affliction and run to someone who's going to make me feel better about myself. Run to the approval of man. Or maybe you... Uh, try to, to distract yourself with entertainment, with games, uh, or with, with just going and doing so much that you don't think about it, you don't feel it. Or maybe you turn to drinking or drugs to numb the pain. Or maybe you just turn to yourself and say, I, I can handle this, I'm going to be strong, and we'll get through this. Or maybe uh, it's through fantasy of saying, I'm just going to get to Friday, or I'm just going to get to that vacation and, and just... Anytime I feel affliction or anytime I feel a, la a discomfort, I'm just going to think about those things. Well, Paul and the Lord is telling us today, no, seek God's comfort. Learn how to find comfort, the very real ministry of the comfort of God during these times. So how does this work? Well, it's really hard to explain. It's kind of like trying to describe the comfort of a, of a parent with a child. What is it about that? What is the comfort there? And what is it like? There is a real powerful internal effect. Well, for us, what Paul's talking about is the work of the Holy Spirit, who, by the way, is also called our helper or our comforter, the same root word of comfort. Now, Wayne Grudem is a theologian, and he says this about the Holy Spirit and, and what his role is. He says, the Holy Spirit gives stronger or weaker evidence of the presence and blessing of God according to our response to him. So, so what is he saying here? He's saying stronger or weaker evidence of the presence of God, that God is our comfort, and he applies that comfort to us through his son Jesus Christ. As we become believers, he fills us with his spirit, and then the spirit's role is to manifest or make or reveal or make uh, us aware of and feel and experience the very real presence of God. His presence is there with us in our affliction. But notice what Grudem says, is that it's stronger or weaker based on our response to him. And so what this means is that we have to be intentional it's not just something automatic that happens. We have to do some things. We have to be intentional to seek the comfort of God as experienced through the Holy Spirit. And, and there's a lot of different things that are involved here, but I, as I thought about it and studied it, the real key here, the real key to experiencing the, the ministry of the Spirit who applies to us the comfort of God, the key is humility. Humility in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said things about blessed are the poor in spirit. And then he goes on and says, blessed are those who, who are humble and meek and are poor in spirit, who know they need the Lord, but cursed are those who are rich in this world, who have all they need and don't realize that they need the Lord. And so there's a humility in verse 9. If we skip down in verse 9 in our text today, Paul talks about how 
we need to learn this. He says in verse 9, indeed, talking about his own experience in Asia, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but then look what he says. He says, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And so the affliction taught Paul to rely on God, not on himself. Don't rely on ourselves. And so many of us, especially in our culture, we're taught, our, the narrative of our culture is to rely on self, to, to take care of yourself. And certainly there's some virtue there, but in this case, what Paul's telling us is that it, affliction is part of the Christian life and it humbles us. And in order to experience the comfort of God, very real internal ministry of God through the Holy Spirit, it means that we have to humble ourselves and depend on the Lord, not on ourselves. You, you know, when, when I won't mention which daughter, but when one of our daughters was younger, and it kind of still goes on today, uh, she something happened, I don't remember what grade, it was when we moved from one house to this current house, it was, I guess it was about 12 years ago, we moved from into this new home and something happened where she started having night terrors and she would wake up and that began years of of a struggle where she needed the comfort of her parents and we were trying to teach her as new parents we didn't know what we're doing you know we're trying to figure this out and and we're like no we don't want her in our room we want to teach her to be in her room and go to the lord and not be scared and there was nothing stopping her she was desperate to experience the comfort of her parents. And we, we tried, our pediatrician said, lock the door, which we felt like we were torturing our child. But ultimately, over the years, she, she found that no matter how hard we tried to keep her out, she was going to get in there. And so she finally, we finally compromised that she would crawl into our bedroom floor and at the foot of our bed, and we could hear her coming, but we tried to act like we couldn't hear it. And she would fall asleep on the floor because she just was desperate to have someone comfort her in those fears. That's what Paul is saying we've got to learn to do. We have got to learn to be determined to experience the comfort of God through the Holy Spirit in our times of affliction instead of running to our other functional gods. We need to have that same kind of childlike determination when, when they're afraid that I am, nothing's going to keep me from going to my father to experience that comfort. And it's a supernatural comfort. It's a supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit. Much of it, I can't fully explain how it happens, but we need to know that the Spirit of God will minister to the fears and the stresses and the anxieties inside our heart that we feel from the pressure of the stress and the anxiety that comes from those afflictions. Through these times, we'll experience his comfort. We'll experience a supernatural ministry to our hearts. But also, we see in this text that Paul also went through a transformation in his thinking. He thought differently as a result of our time seeking the Lord. And when we are afflicted and we go to be with him and we read the scriptures and we pray and we humble ourselves and we, we throw ourselves on his mercy as the father of all comfort and say, God, we need you, Lord. Would you please comfort me? Not only does he supernaturally comfort us, but also he transforms our thinking. We can see this in Paul's writings back in verse 1. Listen to how he words things. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He sees that God's orchestrating his life. God has a plan for his life. And then in verse 4, he see, we see he also knows God has a purpose for the affliction. He says, he comforts us in all of our affliction so that, that's a purpose statement. He's saying, I've been through this affliction and God comforts me because I know so that I may be able to comfort others who are in affliction. And so God ministers to us supernaturally, but he also transforms our thinking as we spend time praying and seeking him through his scriptures. And as we read the word, he transforms our perspective. And we start to see that God has a good will for our lives, that God is involved in every aspect of our life. Even this affliction 
It's part of God's goodwill for my life, and he has a plan and a purpose for this. And so that's what enables us to be able to say, blessed be the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions. Continue down in verse 4, he says, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. As we've already said here, we see the part of his good purposes are that he equips us through this affliction to comfort others. He, we experience his comfort so we can be channels of his comfort. He goes on in verse 5 to talk about this circular uh, flow of God's comfort among the afflicted of God's people. He says in verse 5, For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so Christ, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and your salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort. Notice how he sees his life as a channel of the blessings of God to others. He says, if I'm comforted, it's for your comfort. And if I'm afflicted, it's for you. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, because I know you will, you will also share in our comfort. So Paul has a real communal mindset here. he, He views us all as the community of God's afflicted in this life. We are all bound together by the sufferings of Christ. We share in his sufferings as we stand for Christ in a culture that's hostile toward us. But the the good news is we also share in the comfort of Christ. As each one of us receive the comfort of God, we channel that comfort to one another. It's like a circulation of the comfort of God throughout the community of God's people. He views the church as a messianic people of God who experienced the comfort of God. In fact, when Simeon, a faithful Jew who was in the temple waiting for the arrival of the Messiah, when they brought little baby Jesus to be dedicated, he recognized that Jesus was the Messiah who was brought for the consolation of God's people, or that means the comfort of God's people. And so what we learn here is that God is calling us not to be self-absorbed. This is our second point, that we need to seek others to comfort. First, in our affliction, we seek the comfort of God, but then we understand this not the end point. We're not buckets, we're funnels. We seek God's comfort, but then we seek others to comfort with the comfort that God had comforted us with. So this is the communal nature of the church. You've probably heard it before, but the Dead Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, flows many outward channels into the, ultimately empties into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it has such a high salt content because it doesn't have any outflows. It doesn't have any channels flowing away from it. And so as a result of the high salt content, there's nothing growing there. There's no life. Life can't survive. And so it's a great picture of of what Paul is saying to us is that we seek God's comfort, but then we have to let it flow out of us. We have to be channels to circulate the comforting grace of God in the afflicted community of God. And so skipping down to verse 10 and 11, I want to conclude with two practical, two practical points of application. In verse 10, Paul says this. He says, God delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So I want to pause here. This is what I want us to try to do this week. I want us to try to learn to set our hope on God and not ourselves. And the key maybe to doing this, maybe something practical we can do this week, is notice Paul, past tense, he says, God delivered us. And then he says, and that's the basis of his knowledge of the future tense, that God will deliver us again. And so knowing how God has delivered Paul in the past enables him to set his hope on God and not on himself for the future. 
And so this week, I want to encourage us to spend some time and just think about times in the past where God has delivered us. Times in the past where God has been faithful to us in the midst of great affliction. And then let's turn those into training our heart to set our hopes on the Lord. I want us to learn to instinctively, intuitively, when affliction comes, our first response is not to run to our functional gods, not to run to those, but to instinctively, intuitively trust the Lord and seek the Lord and depend on His grace and comfort in the midst of our suffering. Set our hope on the Lord. And then finally, look at verse 11. Paul says this. It's pretty strong words. He says, you also must help us by prayer. He doesn't say, hey, would you, if you think about it, would you pray? He says, no, you must help me by prayer. I need you. The only, Paul's view, the only way I will survive in this ministry to which I've been called, which is filled with affliction, is if I have you praying for me. I mean, that is a great confidence in the powerful gift of prayer. That challenges me to think, do I believe prayer is that vital like Paul? So this, the last practical application is let's covenant to pray for one another. If this is the community of the afflicted where the grace of God is coming into our lives and circulating the comfort of God to us, to one another, then we have got to pray for each other. But notice, that means we've got to be willing to do what Paul did. We've got to ask for prayer, or we've got to demand prayer. We've got to be willing to say, I need help. I'm hurting, I'm afflicted, I'm struggling, and I need your help. I need you to pray. And this is what makes the relationship with the Lord, instead of being some out there God, very personal and very real, is when we break into our community groups and, and we say, man, I'm struggling I'm tired of being isolated or my job is, or I lost my job or I had to minister to my friends in this incredibly difficult way. I need your prayer. I need God to minister to me because I'm struggling and God answers prayer. So would you please pray for me? This is what we need to be doing. We need to seek comfort in God and we need to seek others to comfort them with the comfort with which we have been comforted. I pray that God will make our church this incredible circulation of the comforting grace of God as we humbly seek him in our times of affliction. I hope this is helping you. I hope that you, if you, if you are like my friends that I've shared, uh, if you're struggling, I want to pray for you right now. I want to pray that God in his spirit very powerfully ministers to you today. Father God, I just lift up all who are hearing this message right now. And Lord, people are losing jobs. People are losing loved ones to this virus. People are afraid of what the future holds. People are experiencing all kinds of affliction. And we just praise you that this morning we have been reminded that you are the God of all kinds of comfort. And we pray, Lord, that you would comfort them even now. I pray that they will humbly throw themselves on your mercies, the Father of mercies, and that your Holy Spirit will powerfully minister to their hearts, to those who are grieving the loss of loved ones, that you would just minister. I don't even understand how you do it by your spirit, that you would just touch their hearts and give them your comfort, a gift of your grace. And Lord, I pray that, that we as a church family will be channels of your comforting grace to one another, that we would pray for one another that we would help each other set our hope upon you and not on ourselves or any other lesser functional gods. Lord, make us a place of comfort by your grace. And it's in Christ's precious and glorious name we pray these things. Amen.
Resting in the shadow of your redeeming love And I'm standing on the promise, the promise of new life Cause I am yours forever, and Jesus you are mine Oh Jesus you are mine Guests, thank you so much for joining us this morning as we begin our journey in 2 Corinthians And so we hope that you will join us as we journey through this book together and see what God's word has for us One way that we would love to connect with you is if you would text NFCC guest to 97,000, then we would love to connect with you that way and just know how we can pray for you, how we can help you connect to the church body. And so if you would do that, we would love to, to walk with you. Another way that you can connect with us at Norris Ferry is through our website, norrisferrychurch.org. And there's a whole bunch of information there that the staff is putting out so that you can be encouraged. You can have resources to continue to walk with the Lord. And so if you'll just check out that at-home tab at norrisferrychurch.org, then we would love to, to walk with you in that. This is a pretty exciting day as Mother's Day, but before we get into a little tribute for moms, then um, I just wanted to give a couple of announcements that we have changed the dates for Camp in the City. So many of you were volunteering, were helping out with Camp in the City, and so those dates have changed to August 3rd through 7th, and so Rebecca will be following up with many of you. If Pine Cove hasn't reached out to you and you've been enrolled, then uh, reach out to Rebecca, and we would love to change those dates and help you connect in that way. We also have a regathering slide that you'll be seeing more and more, and you'll be hearing more about that, but this is is the beginning phases of what we think it's going to look like for us as a church to regather. And so dates will be filled in as we get more information. We're continuing to pray through that, but be on the lookout for this. It will help you just know kind of what to expect as we're headed forward. But lastly, let's give a little tribute to moms. I, have a, I want to close us in a prayer. It says, Thank you, dear Lord, for our mothers who were brave enough to give birth who loved through many growing up years, who taught about God and love and being good, who often got no thanks, whose ears could hear the slightest cry, whose eyes didn't miss much either, whose hands held and bathed and picked up, whose heart was often broken, who always forgave and forgot, who encouraged when things went bad, who always had time to listen, who worked so hard to make things go, who make the world so much better, who deserve our love on Mother's Day and every day, even for eternity. Amen. Thank you for joining us.